Watch the update required podcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST on YouTube. And we're live. Hey. What's up, everybody? It's the Fornitron. And it's Jay Retro. And you're watching the update required podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, Jimmy? Dude. Oh, wow. Jinx. (laughs) You owe me a Coke. (laughs) I'll buy you a Coke. That's cool. I'm doing good for the record uh, to, to jump in and answer. I'm doing good, man. Doing pretty good. I know pretty exhausted. Good. Work's busy. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing good. Some big news in the gaming ecosphere today. Some big very intriguing news. news. Excited to discuss it with you, my friend. You know what? I You've probably been itching to talk to me about this all day. I'm just going to let you loose, bud. Go nuts. Ooh. Tell everybody Ooh. what what's the big news today. You're not going to tell me how your week was or anything first. You're not going to tell me how you're doing. It's just okay. like, no, we're just we're going for you it. You know what? OK, we'll go. We'll get through the foreplay. I promise we'll be quick. Um, <laughs> Buy so, me a drink first. Bro. Yeah. So how's my week been? It's been good. Uh, been working on content. I finished a press kit uh, for uh, people who want to potentially work with me. That was cool. And um, I did my homework and I played Hellblade and I played Hellblade hey. for a little over two hours. And you know what? Wow. It's not my type of game, but I okay. under- I understand the appeal of it. And before we went live, Jay and I were talking about this and it's I feel like it's a very it's a very story driven game. And it's like it's an interactive tale that you're kind of going through. Like I was just having fun and I was trying like on purpose, like to see if I could die. And it was really hard. Like I could not like kill the character. Like there's parts where like you walk on like a beam to go across like two places and like she's like losing her balance. And I was like, what if I just like tilt the joystick? And I'm like, can I fall to my death? And it took a while. And then finally like I fell and I was like, ah, I killed her. And then I like, just like, summoned right back to like right before that part and i'm like oh okay well there's no consequence but i get it it's not that type of game but i was just like okay i get the appeal to these games calling them action adventure a little bit of a stretch for me but i ranted about that on twitter already but my week was good how about yours buddy uh yeah it's busy at work man busy work i've barely been doing much gaming this week Uh, i've been playing a bit of nhl with the boys and stuff like that but just being super tired working overtime and stuff but like i mean it's it's fine i'm doing pretty good um but yeah man i guess let's let's get into it let's (laughs) let's get into the big news he's like i worked all week bro let's get into this shit i'm ready i'm i'm ready i'm ready tell the good people what got announced today Okay, well, I think they know for a lot of people, but I mean, if they don't know and they've been living under a rock gaming wise as far as today, or if, you know, maybe you just have healthy habits and you're not on <laughs> freaking Twitter all day. I don't maybe you drink water and like what go to the store the and buy hell? organic vegetables and shit. I don't know yeah. what you do with your spare time. You people could be crazy like that. So if you didn't know xbox today dropped a little bit of bank they went and they dropped about 68.7 billion dollars now i really got to just stop right there for a second and mention that like doesn't that sound like an imaginary amount of money to spend on anything gaming related like that sounds like the amount of money that dr evil would ask for 
Like $68.7 yeah. It just sounds obscene. Uh, but it's, like, it's a real thing. Disney it's bought Star thing. Wars for $4 billion. Like, guys, like, so that really says a lot about how much some of the properties that are contained in here are worth. And I think it also really says a lot about just, like, how much gaming is worth in the modern era and what a profitable industry it really is. Like it really has overtaken even Hollywood as far as just being the biggest, you know, revenue generator when it comes to entertainment. And I think that's very impressive. So this purchase 68.7, they've rounded it up here. 69 is a nicer number. You know it. I know it. So that's okay. So 69 billion. We'll we'll (laughs) play it there. way. Get it? That's why I said it was nicer because I'm a child. So, guys, they bought up Activision, which also contains at this point Blizzard and is it pronounced King? Is it just King Gaming? Is that how that's pronounced? I'm not sure. I I thought that was just some tack on. I didn't even another one of their subsidiary labels, basically, right? So Blizzard has been owned by Activision for some time um i don't think it was originally right and like blizzard owns the old sierra gaming catalog which is like really old school pc games if you bought pc games in the giant oversized boxes and you know what i'm talking about shout out to sierra so they own like a lot of really classic gaming history here um so some of the titles here i just i just want to ramble off a few of the titles that Xbox and Microsoft have acquired through this active, uh, you know, Activision and Blizzard uh, acquisition here. So just rattling off a couple of the ones that matter. You can already see a few big ones on the screen, right? So one I didn't even think about was Overwatch. Mm-hmm. And as soon as somebody mentioned it, I was like, ooh, that's that's a moneymaker right now for sure. That game still has a huge popular fan base. You look at World of Warcraft. Like World of Warcraft and WoW Classic are still like, I don't think of it because I don't play MMOs, but they still have huge dedicated fan bases and they're still really big on Twitch, which I find interesting. Like people love to watch people play WoW still. Uh, Diablo, uh, Starcraft, right? Call of Duty, for sure. I mean, Call of Duty has been running into some problems uh, with their most recent releases, for sure. But, I mean, still a very large powerhouse historically. It's still probably the biggest shooter out of all of them by far. Hands down. Hands down. It is the, you know, it is the standard bearer for when it comes to first-person shooters, military-based first-person shooters, for sure. I would say any shooter at this point. But, I mean, definitely if you're going to talk about anything that's, you know, realistically based on war and combat, then, yeah, Call of Duty's the game that most people play. It's even the zombie game that most people play still, uh, which is intriguing. Uh, So, you know, huge, huge properties there. Some of the ones I didn't think about, though, that people started uh, bringing up that that really blew my mind. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah. So any future Tony Hawk's Pro Skater releases, you know, are we going to see it be Xbox exclusive? What I think more realistically to jump ahead of myself a bit here. But I think we're going to see a lot of timed exclusives. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're dumb enough to not put Call of Duty out on the Switch and the PlayStation at this point. Like they just know that it's, you know, for one, you're going to upset a giant, you know, historical fan base, um, which might make them not want to support the Xbox brand in general. Like it might have an inverse effect where now they're like, well, now I don't want to buy Xboxes because you didn't let me have the choice. 
Um, I think Microsoft already with their attitude of like, we want our games on PC. They've talked about how they would actually like to see Game Pass on other platforms like the Switch. You know, I think if if Spencer had his way, there'd be Game Pass on your PS5, right? Like, I honestly think that's where he's at. He cares more about Game Pass and their delivery service of games than he cares about what hardware you're playing it on. And that's their business strategy. Yeah. So I don't think that they're going to pull a Starfield, you know, like the Bethesda buy-up with every one of these titles. Yeah. I do think there will be a Starfield or maybe a few Starfields. And I'm curious to see which ones they will be and which ones they will take and actually go, okay, that's only on Xbox and PC and it's not anywhere else. Like anywhere you can't have Game Pass, you can't have this game. And I'm sure they'll do that for a few of them mm-hmm. because you'd have to be stupid to not do that after spending $69 billion, right? Um, and like I actually read an article just yesterday on the fact that the console race in general is closer than you would actually think right now. And I, I think that that, that has to... Yeah, I think that Xbox is filling the void faster as far as production. Like, I see more Series S's for sure, and I definitely see more Series X's even than PS5's in the marketplace. It has now happened where I've walked into an EB Games here in town and just seen some PS5's sitting there. So, like, it's happened once now to me, um, but it's happened multiple times with the Series X and with the Series S for sure. The Series S is practically always available if you go on Amazon or Best Buy or whatever. Yeah maybe you'll wait five or six days for one to come in yeah but i was able like, to just pick mine up off a shelf like it was super yeah easy they are stocked right so as far as like if you're sitting there on the outside being like oh man i can't get a ps5 xbox starts to look pretty tempting when it's now been over a year since the new console generation launched and you still can't get the ps5 so -hmm. like even if you were a dedicated sony fanboy you might be sitting there now being like well maybe i'll buy the series s it's more affordable and it'll at least tide me over till i can get my ps5 or something like that right i think that that's part of the reason that they're closing that gap right now like they're just more available um but yeah i think what we're gonna see a lot of is timed exclusives for sure. Uh, and the two biggest ones as far as franchises that it it's I don't know what they'll do with these. I don't think they'd ever make these ones just Microsoft exclusive, but who knows? And these were the two that just made me be like, what was Spyro the yeah. Dragon and Crash fucking Bandicoot. I was waiting for you to bring those up. Yeah. <laughs> PlayStation one, when it first launched, like if you're as old as we are and you remember this stuff, when the PlayStation one launched crash bandicoot was in every single advertisement for the Sony PlayStation. He was their mascot and he was essentially Sony's answer to Mario and Sonic. Yeah. And that he would directly make fun of Mario and Sonic in those ads and poke fun at them. I remember one where he was in a go-kart and he's outside of the Nintendo headquarters with a megaphone campaign yeah. and he's like, Hey, tell that plumber to come out here and I'll yeah. kick his ass or whatever. Right. And they wanted to crash to be edgy, right? Yeah. He wants to fight Mario. Um, but that was their whole thing like Crash was their banner character right and so it's just interesting to think of Microsoft Xbox owning uh, a character that used to literally be the mascot of the entire PlayStation brand now when you know uh, you know Microsoft has never like really had a character like that like they've had Master Chief right or they've had like you know Gears of War they've had things like that you know, Marcus Phoenix. Um, 
but they've never had like a Mario or a Sonic really that I can point to that is like, you know, like Banjo Kazooie came out on Xbox, yeah. but it was an N64 thing first, right? So he kind of jumped platforms. That's that that doesn't really count to me. Um, but they've never owned their own mascot. I'm like, wouldn't it be so funny if they took Crash and made him the Xbox mascot now? Because they could do that if they wanted to. I don't think they will. I just think it's insane that they could for the yeah. record. Like it just blows my mind that we're even able to talk about that as a theoretical thing. It's funny. Um, I can't really remember like yeah. Crash wow. Bandicoot. What a how, how how long that carried on until like he really wasn't relevant anymore to the PlayStation universe. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it was the <clears throat> PS3 where like they were kind of done with even the ps2 he was starting to phase out there weren't as many crash games on ps2 like on the ps1 you had like crash one two three crash team racing right like the mario kart clone so like they i'm pretty sure they had a crash party game that was sort of like a mario party experience they really really drove crash home on that first console hard and yeah he was in every single advertisement and even when spyro came out who was sort of like sony's next big platforming hit that was also a character that you could say would very easily be like a a mario or sonic-esque character right like something that's easily marketable to children and that you could make uh you know very easily a mascot for your whole brand they didn't really with spyro like they stuck with crash through that whole period and so spyro always seemed kind of like the lesser experience to me i was like oh it's kind of like crash but for babies like it, it just seemed like a childish crash i honestly think that was sort of the idea because they'd made their main mascot kind of all about giving mario and sonic the finger which doesn't work really great if you want to sell it to a child right so then yeah. they had to make another platformer that was a little more kid friendly that time uh, my frame little, makes little cousin's own spyro because you gotta remember at the time yeah. like they were directly competing with the nintendo 64 so absolutely i think they want like and who was the biggest king amongst all the consoles back then was nintendo so that was their biggest competitor so i think that's why they had that Well, especially in the early days remember they were competing with the n64 and the sega saturn because we didn't know if it was going to flop or not yet right so especially when it was just about talking about the consoles before they'd even hit the market and stuff yeah a lot of their advertising that's why it wasn't just making fun of mario you know they were poking equal fun at sonic and uh the last gen generation had been all about the super nintendo and the genesis right so it was all about you know trying to come up as this new competitor in the same way that microsoft did when they first came out with the xbox like people know sony as a company but they think of you as someone that makes walkmans right (laughs) you're stepping in and trying to duke it out with the big boys here so that made sense and then even when you look at like the latest crash game that released the crash 4 I don't know if it yeah. did great, but like I didn't even I didn't play it, but I was never really big into the crash games. I've heard, I've heard it's good. It it like it got critically pretty well received. It underperformed sales wise. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I do remember like I don't remember who it was like whether it was like RGT85 or Metal Jesus or one of those retro game guys, but I remember someone on YouTube being like. I encourage you to go play this. It is actually a really good crash game. I don't know why it wasn't more popular. So like, you know, I'm just passing that on that if you're like me and and you completely overstepped it, like maybe I should go back and play Crash 4. Maybe yeah. you should go back and play Crash 4 because I've heard it's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't think it did too, too well. I played the living hell out of the crash team racing re-release nitro fueled like when they remastered crash team racing oh my god uh i got that for the ps4 and that was like all i played for like three months when that came out i 
love kart racing games. But could and, it be uh, that it's people are such a good one. Kind of like over the whole like platforming type game, and then the the people that are into that have already like made the switch like their main console. So when they need mm. that niche, they just like play a game on the switch. Right? There's so many Mario and Kirby games and Yoshi games and stuff already. Yeah. I think that's a valid point. Like that. If you're into platforming, the switch definitely has like an oversaturation of it. Whereas yeah. like the rest of the consoles and platforms, PC included, definitely one could argue have like an undersaturation of that genre, especially in terms of like, when you look at how relevant it was when we were growing up, exactly. right? Like, platforming was your a plus triple a the most important genre like that basically was that was stream at the time yeah it was the most marketable to everyone yeah right is what i, I think it came down to because whether you're a six-year-old child or you're you know a 36 year old businessman uh at the end of the day mario's fucking fun so like exactly. it, it didn't matter that it was kind of childish in its graphics and stuff it's like the gameplay is simple and addictive and it's two buttons and you run and you jump and you're just like oh this is fun i want to keep doing this um that's how they managed to sell video games at a time when everybody didn't want to buy video games because of atari right is they just designed something that was just that fun and so yeah platforming for that era for 8-bit and then 16-bit as well it made so much sense and i think it has a lot to do with the it plays well to the limitations of that hardware as yeah. well, right? So it's a, it's a genre that had a lot to do with what they could do graphically and control-wise and whatnot at that time, right? Even the action games of that time, if we want to talk about Metroidvanias, we want to talk yeah. about what I like to just call action platformers. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you were still platforming still jumping from thing to thing that was a huge part of pretty much all gameplay for a really long time unless it was like a shoot 'em up or a racing game basically because there was only so much to do with the mechanics at the time so with this acquisition well the announcement because i do want to i do want to say they haven't the acquisition hasn't gone through yet so this is an announcement of the acquisition and it's happening it's gonna be potentially finalized by June of 2023. So that's still quite a bit of time. That takes time. And the FTC still has to approve it. But regardless, with this announcement, does this give you like more confidence in the Xbox brand? Like that's kind of what I'm gathering. Like how how is the overall feeling about it? Absolutely. Like I think it's, it's once again, it's the same thing I said when they bought up Bethesda. And it was funny because like, I myself am not currently heavily invested in anything Bethesda's doing. They weren't a company where I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad Xbox bought Bethesda because I cared so much about Doom Eternal or something, right? Like Doom Eternal wasn't my thing. Um, You know, I care more about Halo, which they already owned. But to me, that wasn't the point because like, as we've discussed many times, Xbox had suffered from the issue of like all they really had to hang their hat on was Halo, Gears and Forza. Yeah. And you had a three prong trident. And if people didn't love those three games, then pretty much every other thing on their platform, it could be argued, was all cross platform stuff that you could just go play on PlayStation or somewhere else. So for the most part, you know, your main way of hooking people in was those three titles. And for a while, for an entire generation, honestly, that was good enough because there was a time when Halo was on top of the world and there was a time when Gears was on top of the world and those games did sell consoles, right? Um, 
But, you know, even though Halo Infinite has done very well and has been received very well, I wouldn't go anywhere to claim is that that game is anywhere as culturally relevant or popular as it was in its heyday. Um, no, and at some point, not. you also just, you know, you need to branch out. Like Sony has done a good job over time of not only having a bunch of good exclusive titles, but kind of of knowing when to let some of them die and create new ones. Yeah. Right. So uh, The Last of Us, I don't think we'll see a third one. Right. Like, I think yeah. they'll leave that at two games. I think Uncharted as well. Right. Like, I heard there might be a new Uncharted game, but for at least a bunch of years, they let Sleeping Dogs lie with it. And they did one, two, three, four. And then they did that side one where you play as the girl uh, like Lost chapter lost kingdom or something and uh and then they were just like yeah we have no plans to do another uncharted game and it's taken like i don't know seven or eight years now or something they haven't done one um i think that that's smart because then like then they drop something like ghost of tsushima right and everybody just goes freaking out of their mind for it so sony's done a great job of creating new properties as they go along with their own in-house studios and so microsoft in order to really compete and like it's you know as we've said, they're they're competing a hell of a lot better this generation already than they were last generation. And if that yeah. console war is getting closer and closer, they got obliterated, especially for the first year or two with the Xbox One. They clawed their way back over time, but the Xbox One had an abysmal launch. So they've done a fantastic job of saving face. And I do think a huge part of that is that they keep pulling moves like this that show that they are invested in having a larger quantity of titles that are associated with their brand and are under their umbrella. And like I said, maybe not all of these become complete Xbox exclusives, but you're going to see, I guarantee you, tons of old Activision games and stuff are going on Game Pass as soon as this happens. Uh, Practically every one of these games, as soon as it releases a new game, is going to be on Game Pass day one. Right. Yeah. Just like but that just like Starfield. Right. So if a new Tony Hawk does come out, Game Pass players are going to get a day one. If they do make a new Crash Bandicoot, I guarantee we get a day one. I'm very curious. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do things like release the new Call of Duty one or two months early on Xbox. Like, that's, I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's kind of what I joked about. So I was like, oh, so are people going to stop complaining about uh, Call of Duty costing 70 bucks uh, or being shitty when it's free on Game Pass like day one? So I definitely I agree with a lot of your takes on this on this acquisition. I think I definitely think that Microsoft is kind of looking beyond a whole console war thing. Like, I don't think you hit on the head. I don't think they care what platform that you play it on as long as you're playing on their platform. And I think they're taking steps from other forms of consumable media and following their suit so like music and movies and it's like everybody has a netflix account like everybody's got a netflix membership and it's like does netflix have everything almost but like they were smart because they were the first ones to do it and then so they acquired Mm -hmm. a bunch of studios early on So I think that's what Microsoft's in the process of doing right now. They're kind of going all in with their Game Pass service and with like xCloud and stuff. And they're just acquiring all of the rights, as many acquisitions as they possibly can afford. That way, when we eventually move to a kind of system where it's no longer about hardware or different consoles, 
people are just going to like stream games through a website on like any device 100%. that has access to the internet. And sure, there's always going to be the console available for the people that like the hard media. Just like you could still buy Ultra HD Blu-rays or Ultra or 4K Blu-rays or whatever for the people that are, like want that at home. But that's not yep. the majority. So I think that this is going to make them a lot more competitive. I agree with you. I definitely think they're going to have like some IPs be exclusive to their because exactly why wouldn't they they'd be stupid to spend all that money and not have a couple exclusives but i think they also understand exactly the point that you made that like what what's better do we piss off all the playstation fans and only make call of duty exclusive to the xbox ecosystem and it's like what's the turnover rate that we'd potentially get for like the absolute hardcores that have to have the new call of duty every year that are yeah. playing on PlayStation. It's like, what's the turnover? What can we get? Can we maybe get 15 or 20% of those potential sales to come over and buy an Xbox Especially console? Especially right now when the last three call of duties are like a dumpster fire. Exactly. So how many people are that dedicated to yeah. the brand right now? Or do we just keep releasing it on PlayStation and then get the entire chunk of that pie that are buying like call of duty. And I think hundred percent, I, I think what they'll do to another point that you made is maybe they'll make it pre-release on game pass first. So like you'll be able to get the new call of duty first. If you have a game pass subscription, or maybe they'll have like exclusive content that's only yep. on Xbox, like exclusive, uh, who knows, whatever, maps or maybe skins, whatever. Cosmetics. Yeah, all yeah. sorts of stuff, right? I could totally see them doing that. Um, absolutely. But also, I think, I don't think all of this would have went down if it wasn't for a lot of those, like, in-house allegations going on at both Activision and Blizzard with, mm. like, like, the alleged uh harassment in the workplace i think there's just been a ton of bad pr for both of those companies for a long time now and yep. what it's done is it's really sunken their brand to this point to where like it's either do we sell to microsoft and save face or do we just like keep going on this downward trend well, I'm glad you said that because it's funny, like a buddy of mine was messaging me about today because he's been following all the court cases and he was like, man, it must be such a PR nightmare for Microsoft to try to buy out that company right now. And I was like, actually, I don't agree with that at all. No. I think it's such an easy thing to frame if you buy them out because then you just a rush fire all of the problem people right as soon as you own the company. And they fired b, 36 people already. Right. And then yeah. immediately appoint new people who are all like Microsoft seal of approval people. Mm -hmm. Right. So you just sprinkle all these new little Microsoft boys and girls into the positions that you fired all these abusers from. Right. I shouldn't use quotes because, I mean, for all I know, they are legitimate abusers. Right. Yeah. But all of these supposed abusers, I don't know. There's I don't know what the actual proof is yet. At yeah, this we're point, not lawyers. We don't know. have inside information. So we're I don't know. Whatever. My point is, there are PR, those people are PR nightmares, clearly. So you yes. fire all of them. 
you put these new Microsoft peeps in, and then that's an easy thing to frame as like Microsoft are the good guys there. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, we were like instantly like, that's so unacceptable by our standards, out with the old, in with the new. And so I actually think it's a very easy thing for Microsoft to frame. I agree with you that the real PR nightmare possibility here is if they don't sell, how the hell do you turn around and save face now? Because yeah. if all the same people are still in power at the top, you can fire a bunch of middle managers, but totally. everybody knows where rot starts from in a company, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a really hard ship to turn around if they don't sell. And I think that's absolutely what I thought when I heard about the news right off the bat. I was like, honestly, that's the right move for everybody involved. Like Microsoft wins. They pack a bunch of value into their Game Pass subscription model. They continue to achieve this goal of having more in-house game studios and not only having Halo, Gears, and Forza. And Activision and Blizzard wins, frankly, just because they get to still exist and not look like a dumpster fire. Yeah. And I bet you the kind of shady side of this too, allegedly, is that those people that are higher ups in those companies, they kind of get to protect themselves because they get to leave on their own terms. Like I'm sure they're making handshake deals right now that like, oh, hey, yeah. when the acquisition goes through, I get to respectfully resign and like, I still get to keep my stock up. I ride away on my yacht into the sunset exactly. with my Swedish wife and yeah. my fucking bank account in the Bahamas. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, 100%. yeah, it's not the pitchfork justice that we want. Um, yeah. But in the long run, as long as that environment gets better for the people that are working there, I think it's a win. Sure. Yeah. We all want to see them like that. get pantsed and then like, like whipped in front of a crowd of angry people, but we're not going to get that. <laughs> um, yeah, I all. was I was like for me personally when I when I got this news today, I was like that is a lot of money to dump into uh this this potential acquisition. And I think I think it's more and then also Phil Spencer, he just got recently announced as the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, which is a new division that they kind of made. And right. I think this is um Microsoft as a like as the the parent company this is their way to secure a foothold in like the gaming entertainment section of of media and yeah. i think it's smart cuz like you you initially brought up when people still think of gaming to this day like the, the 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 mainstream audience they think like a bunch of nerds like playing games but they don't realize that gaming like is more profitable than like movies, sports, like a lot of music combined. I- ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. All frisbees, yeah. yo-yos, yeah. everything cool. And games make more money. I know. I, I remember the first time that I walked into a Best Buy and it occurred to me that everything in the world had shifted. Okay. Because there was this time when I used to walk into the future shop or Best Buy or whatever in my town. And at the front, there was a bunch of CDs. And then after you walked past the CDs, there were movies. And then after you walked past the movies, there was video games. And then at some point during my youth, that reversed to the point where the video games were at the front with all the big box displays about what new Xbox 360 games. It was around that era, around the 360 PS3 era. Now that shit was at the front of the store. Movies came next because more people still bought movies back then, right? 
And then CDs were way at the back and that section slowly shrank and shrank and shrank until it died. And now the same things happened in the movie section where it shrank and shrank and shrank until it died. And now you have to go to like a Sunrise Records, like a movie specialty store to find yeah. movies. Um, but the gaming is still huge and it's still very close to the front of the store because that is where the money's at now, right? So I think that's interesting. Now, where the money's really at is how nice this segue is going to be because we're going to go right into our next topic because there's another company out there that is thinking actually kind of similarly to Microsoft and approaching it in a different way when it comes to securing a foothold in the future eco space of gaming. And that is their competition, if you view it that way, which clearly Microsoft kind of doesn't lately. But big old blue boy Sony uh is been making making a change lately that a lot of you might have noticed recently just before our stream my geforce experience popped up with a notification it said jay you got to download some new drivers and i'm always interested when i download the new drivers i look which games they've added support for because that's usually the newest games that have released for the pc platform it's just interesting to keep an eye on and what do you think the main game was today uh that was mentioned in the geforce experience update if you had to take a guess there jimmy it was god of war buddy that's right it was god of war because sony has been dropping games on pc this year we saw the Final Fantasy VII Intergrade drop, even though it had a bunch of PC problems, apparently. Yeah, but now God of War is dropped as well. And Days Gone, right? That's right. It kicked yeah. off with Horizon. Uh, you saw Days Gone. I heard someone argue, though, that God of War is the first, uh, in their opinion, like true AAA exclusive release. Mm -hmm. And and I, I can feel that. I think Final Fantasy VII would have had just as large of an argument. I mean, the original FF7 did come out on PC, so maybe that's a little different because there yeah. is some history there um, but yeah god of war has now. always been exclusive to only have to own a playstation console right you had to have at least a psp to play anything god of war related yeah uh and now yeah we live in a time where you can play god of war on your pc and i thought it was interesting when you know we read this article they talk about why you know sony as a corporation has made this decision and guys we always come back to this. It's not because they're your friend. Yeah, it's not because no. they want to buy you a Dr. Pepper, right? Like Sony doesn't give a shit about you. But what they do like is your money. And so it's interesting. It was their game studios, the developers, the designers of these games that started laying the pressure on Big Corp Sony and sending them email after email, apparently, uh, from multiple studios, designers of these games being like, hey, can you just let us put our games out on PC? We think it would be really good for the games and it would be good for gamers and we'd make more money uh, and, and we want to do that. And so what I wanted to talk about is why would those developers feel now is the time to lay that pressure on? And like, what is different now about you know, the PS4 era or even the PS3 era, why are we now suddenly seeing this push? Was it that the push was there before and Sony's just finally listening, right? But I think what it really has to do with is that, frankly, in the past two to three years, I've seen an explosion of interest in PC gaming. I have way more friends now that own gaming PCs. I own a gaming PC and I hadn't for about like almost a decade. And mm -hmm. I bought a gaming PC again. My buddy Brody, who recently bought an Xbox, also just went out and bought a gaming PC like a week ago because the two go really great hand in hand because then you just get Game Pass for both of them and you own a ton of games on both platforms. And if you want to play 
I don't know, certain sorts of games. Like you want to play Civilization. Well, yeah, you could play that on your Xbox, but it sure is better to play it with a mouse and keyboard. So I find those two platforms go really hand in hand. Um, but, you know, it's once again the idea to me of this future when it might not be about trying to outsell the other company on hardware. Mm-hmm. How much percentage of people are eventually just going to end up gaming on PC, especially with how seamless using a controller in a PC is these days. Like the argument sort of becomes like, why do consoles even exist to some degree? And I say that as someone that owns like five of them, you know, yeah. so like, don't get me wrong. I'm the market for consoles, but I just definitely think like you could easily make an argument that like the PC kind of supersedes it. It really can do everything a console can do and more. So then at that point, why doesn't everybody just buy a PC? I mean, the short answer is that it's more expensive. Um, but you know, you, what, I well, think you touched on it, but I think you kind of glossed over this. What was a major change that's happened in the last two and a half years? And it happened to you personally. A lot of people are working from home now. So absolutely what happens when you work from home, you're sitting in front of your fucking computer all day and it's mm-hmm. a lot more, I don't know. It's part of the budget now to spend some money and get a decent computer. So a lot of people 100%. have been getting much better machines so they can work more efficiently at home. And what's another thing you can do on your, on your new spicy, new shiny computer. You can play games on it, bruh. And then you could start a YouTube channel and edit some videos, right? My old uh, university professor the other day made a Facebook post and he had a Republic of Gamers laptop. And I was like, impressive. Very nice. Republic of Gamers. Look at you, bud. And he's like, right. And he's like, oh, yeah, like I don't really game on it. But he was like, you know, he edits video because he was like a a film script uh, professor in university, right? So he's like, yeah, I I need it for video editing, working on projects. I needed something powerful. And, you know, the kids at the shop hooked me up with this. And I was like, yeah, that'll certainly do the trick. You could also play Halo Infinite. Like, you're not going to. (laughs) But, like, tell me if you do, because, like, we'll go kill some scrubs together. It'll be dope. Um, But, yeah, like, your your PC can do a lot more. I agree. You've got more people spending money on computers. uh, you got more people interested in content creation, starting a YouTube yeah. channel, streaming on Twitch. You know, we saw a huge explosion, ourselves included, yeah. in new people streaming on Twitch. Because what else are you going to do if you're locked inside all of the time? Exactly. So I think, yeah, it's it was interesting when we were talking to about, like you were saying, physical media will always be there. And to some degree, I think you're right. Because, well, you know, I still collect assholes out there. They're like, what about places that don't have good Internet, you idiot? Yeah, like, of that's course. True. And it's like. We get That's that. Fair. Obviously, if you live in a place that has shitty internet, you're not going to get an online-only fucking device, idiot. We know that. We know there's always going to be that less than 10% of you who need a console that can play Dude, physical media. There are countries in the world, specifically one, but there is a country in the world where the top-selling gaming platform selling today in 2022 is still the Sega Genesis. Let that sink in. Yeah. So we get you out there. Wild. Um, I always thought it was funny, though. Like, they they got really thrown under the bus, Xbox did, back when the Xbox One launched. And people found out that it needed to be connected to the internet at all times, basically. Needed to be connected to the internet for you to be able to do anything. Launch a game, turn itself on. Uh, and people were like, that's insane. Like, what if I what if I live in a place where I don't have internet? What if I don't want to pay for the internet? Uh, and not Phil Spencer, but whoever the dude was back then whose name I'm gapping on. Uh, turned to this guy at the E3 press conference or whatever. 
And he said, uh, yeah, we're very aware that there are a lot of consumers that are uh, in a situation uh, where they might not have the Internet. And uh, we've thought about that. And it's OK because we have a product for them out there in the market already. And it's called an Xbox 360. Yeah. And man, did he just get crucified for that. Right. Yeah. And so I do think like. You have to think, uh, I think it's a reasonable thing to say that you have to think about countries where internet access isn't as prevalent. You have to think about, yeah, just different markets and appealing to them. But we have, what I was going to say, we have entered an era where having a disk drive in your computer is a massive rarity, right? Especially if it's a laptop computer. Uh, when I bought this gaming PC, that was one of the like culture shock moments for me as an old guy was when I was like, oh, it doesn't have a disk drive. And then I was sort of kind of I didn't even think about it when I was like looking at the specs before I bought it. You know, like all anybody online was talking about was like, you know, what processor I should look for, what yeah. graphics chip I should look for, what what type of RAM I should buy and install to make sure I have lots of RAM. And so that was the nerdy stuff I was obsessing over. So those are the specs I looked at. It was like I got it home and opened the box and was like, huh, no disk drive. Yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense in the modern age. Um, And then like the next day I saw some joke about it online where it was like an old dude. It was like that scene from the end of uh, Saving Private Ryan when the guy like turns old and (laughs) silly. Like into old Matt Damon. Yeah. And it was him being like, hey, kids, sick ga- gaming PC. Where's your disk drive? And the kid was like, disk drive? And yeah. then he just like turned old instantly. And I was like, shit, that's me. That's exactly how I feel. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We have we have entered that era with the PC. I mean, my main television on the wall only has a Chromecast 4K plugged into it. I don't have any DVD players or anything hooked into yeah. it. Right? Like we are entering an era where, frankly, discs are a rarity. Now, I still do have thanks to Xbox, two 4K Blu-ray players in the house that I rarely ever use, right? Um, but yeah, we're just, we're, we're entering an era for sure where like you're the rarity if you give a crap about buying physical media. I've had this <laughs> fucking copy it's still of- in the cellophane. Yeah, of Dude, Where's My Car <laughs> Blu-ray in the cellophane. Like I've never even opened this. Like it's the only Blu-ray that I own. I love that. I, I still buy normal Blu-rays instead of 4K Blu-rays because I'm cheap frankly uh and i only started collecting blu-rays like in the last few years like i was still buying dvds before that because i'm cheap so like i've moved up to blu-ray now i'll probably go to 4k blu-ray one day 4k blu-ray is so goddamn expensive bro i went online the other day so i wanted to buy the thing john carpenter's the thing it's one of my favorite movies of all time and i found the two-pack which has the 2011 prequel in it on Blu-ray, and albeit the 2011 prequel is not as good, we all know that, but I still like it. I don't think it's as horrible as some of the critics made it out to be. Uh, And I found them both on Blu-ray for $16.75 for a two-pack of both of them. And we're talking Canadian shekels here, people. Canadian shekels, friends. Canadian rubles. uh, (laughs) Whereas on Amazon, it was uh, precisely 10 Canadian crowns to buy (laughs) just the 1982 film. Do you know how much it was to buy the 4K film on Blu-ray, just the 1982 one, no 2011 prequel? I bet it was like 40-something dollars, probably even more. It was $69.99 Canadian rupees. Are you kidding me? $70 compared to $17 to get both movies. I was like, yeah, I think I'm fine with Blu-ray. I think that's HD enough for now. Then also, I'm not like paying that movie was not prices. shot 
in it it's was upscaling. Shot it yeah. wasn't even shot in 1080p, right? Yeah. Like, like it was just, filmed probably at like 480. Yeah, it's well, insane. they just took the original film and they individually scan it and then they upscale yeah. that or just like whatever. Yeah. File and it looks size. good. Like I watched it on Amazon only a month or two ago and it was in 1080p, right? So it was in like normal Blu-ray quality. Yeah. And it looked great because I've only ever seen that movie on either a VHS or a DVD mm-hmm. or like playing on cable television back in the day, right? So I'd only ever seen it in like low standard resolution situations. So even just seeing it in 1080p, I was like, man, this looks good. This looks crisp. And so to me, I'm just like, yeah, that's good enough for a movie that I grew up watching in like the worst of re- resolutions on like an ancient old television. You know, Also, How much- a 1080p Blu-ray versus a 1080p stream is drastically different because like oh the, yeah like the bit rate and the buffer rate and like the compression that has it has to go through to be streamed through a service is so <clears throat> much when you're watching a blu-ray like it's just like like wow is this 4k but it's just you're just watching like it in full fidelity I feel that way about all of the Blu-rays that I already own for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I do, uh, you know, I, I, I back around a month or two ago, I bought, uh, it was like the entire fr- Friday, the 13th collection. Cause it was cheaper to buy them physically than it was to buy them each individually on Amazon prime. And I yeah. was like, well, I'm not going to pay more money for digital. That just seems stupid. <laughs> um, so I'm not one of those people that'll pay more for the physical on purpose yet, but I don't know. There, there is something about like, I'm just a nostalgic asshole and I just like pulling a movie off a shelf and opening it up. There's still something about that that just makes me feel like a kid because that's what i, I grew it. up with right for the, the same, same reason with... that i like putting a vinyl record same. on a record player right i want to jump yeah. back to the topic that we're talking about and i want to give you my take on it so the whole like god of war going to pc thing yeah so absolutely. a Let's lot of people it. have been like uh like i've seen a bunch of tweets out there and they're like sony should just put all of their games day one on pc that I don't agree with. So I don't either. So that I like obviously if your only console is a PC, you're gonna fucking want all the Sony exclusives to come out on PC day one. Obviously. That doesn't make Adoy. that doesn't yeah. make business sense for them. <laughs> I do think yeah. a couple of factors came into play and why now and why not during like the PS4 era? Because I think that's a really good point that you brought up. Why not the PS4 era? Like it could have been mm. done. And I think at that time consoles were still king and they were selling them like hand and foot over xbox so why would they like there was zero mm-hmm. incentive but now i kind of feel like like with the chip shortage it's so hard to make these consoles at the, at the moment that it's like we're never gonna we're never gonna get consoles out to all of our potential players so what do we do well, we could start putting out some IPs on a platform that is already plentiful and like very mm-hmm. abundant. And it's like, okay, we could do that. And then what that does is one, it puts your product out to more people. Two, it promotes your current product because you're putting out an older version of your product that's going to get people hyped for the sequels that are coming out. So both which will be exclusive to your hardware, at least for some time. Exactly. It won't be all of them. But hey, if you can convince 5% of PC owners to pick up a PS5 to play God of War Ragnarok or Horizon Forbidden West, that's a win. That's a huge win. Um, So it does that. Also, uh, it keeps your studios happy because like you said, like 
hey, we want to put our game out on PC. Why wouldn't you? It's already done. You you tweak a few things. You put out a few patches. You put out a few little bit of features like uh, graphics uh, controllers and ultra widescreen support. Da, 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 da. And then you sell your game that you've already made again, full pop, and you get that price. Like I think Steam announced that there were 70,000 concurrent players of God of War and you get to charge, like you said, full sticker AAA price yeah. for it again, as if it's not a year old game. I think Sony should do it with every one of their exclusives. I just don't think they should do any of them day one. I Correct. think that's the dumb part of that comment. Like, wait a year, right? Wait yeah. like a solid year or two with every game you release. But then, yeah, go make more money. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's 100%. all they're thinking about. They're just like... They're like, hey, this is a slam dunk. We're we're reinvigorating an old product that we get to sell for a full pop. We're getting potential new players on our platform because they love those IPs so much and they've gotten addicted to them on Steam or whatever. And they're like, hey, maybe why not a PS5 as well? And then three, like they're keeping their studios happy. So Sony Santa Monica fucking gets to make all of that revenue from a game that they've already finished and they get to put that into a new game or like even just give them and, and you, they're planning for one possible timeline and i'm not saying this is the timeline that happens but there is a possible timeline where eventually this renewed interest in pc gaming thing keeps taking off and keeps taking off and pcs overtake consoles entirely and become the main thing and eventually maybe the only thing and if that future does play out well you sure don't want to be like jumping into the pc market then like right after consoles failed and being like hey guys are you still interested in our ips on our platform that just failed it's a much better pitch now while consoles are still successful uh and it gets pc gamers like you said it gets a new total new category of gamers addicted to these sony ips the analogy that, that, way, that i wanted to use yeah. was again xbox is going to be like the netflix of gaming and 100%. then sony will be like the disney plus where it's yeah. like it's a much smaller library but it's a lot of just like i want to play that i want to play that i want to play that it's just mm -hmm. like i'm gonna pay for that for that additional subscription service i 100 percent. i think agree. that's actually a really great comparison like it's it's true like and disney's done a good job lately too of trying to branch out and be a little more netflix-esque because they did add that like star or whatever yeah. that extra super channel section with like american horror story and it's more it's more like adulty shows yeah um which is like good for them trying to diversify a little but you're absolutely right that like the primary difference there like netflix used to be great at making their own exclusive and for a while a bunch of them were marvel shows which is hilarious because you had daredevil yeah. and punisher and all that but now like disney's where you go for like boba fett and it's where you go for loki and it's where you go yeah. for that new moon knight show that i'm really freaking excited about and so they're doing a great job creating these like first party ips for disney mm -hmm. plus and being like hey you come here for these big ticket shows we're kind of almost like an hbo in that sense that yeah. like we just own these top tier shows that you want to watch and that all get phenomenal reviews frankly but hey netflix still has stranger things park. and it's still got yeah. squid games and it's like it's got a couple yeah it's still like it's still putting out some big content but like but i made that argument uh early on i made the comparison in some of my first videos about game pass where yeah. i said they're copying spotify and they're yeah. copying Netflix and they're copying the success of streaming and other media. And I always bring that up when people say, 
oh, but games leave Game Pass. And I'm like, yeah, movies leave Netflix. You don't unsubscribe to Netflix because of that, because they keep adding new movies. And that's the whole point, right? Is that like, it allows you to have access to a good amount of stuff at all times, but you'd get bored if it was always the same stuff. So they're always rotating things in and out. And I think that like, that's a good model for Game Pass personally. Like, Mm. um, you know, you keep your main things like Halo and stuff there all the time, just in the way that like Punisher and Daredevil and stuff is never going to leave Netflix because they were like exclusive to Netflix and they always will be. Um, Your originals will always stay. But yeah, around that, you have a rotating library. And I think that that's just copying the exact model that they saw successful with streaming other media. And it's the way of the future because I think like far fewer people, again, if you have a Friday the 13th tattoo across your chest and you've got like every single original poster, you're going to fucking buy Friday the 13th when it comes out on whatever medium, right? You're still going to, there's still those people. We know that. But there's people out there that are not buying individual movies. There's a hell of a lot of people that aren't buying individual games. They're paying for yep. services because as much as I'm a fanboy for like two developers, Um, and I'm always going to buy their games as soon as they come out. And I love having the physical copy and I love also buy, I buy the games twice, bitch. Like I, like I buy the physical and the digital copy. Not a lot of people are like me. And a lot of people are just like, I would rather like, I only play video games one to two to three hours a week. And I just like being able to like pick something out of a list and then play that for a few hours and whatever. I don't give a shit about completing it. I don't give a shit about getting all achievements. I don't care. Like I just want to play something for a couple hours. So there's always going to be those people. So I think, and then also I don't think the hardware issues are going to go away. I don't think the shortages are going to go away anytime soon. Like I think cryptocurrency and like NFTs and shit, like there's always going to be people that are just buying up all the graphics cards for fucking mining rigs. And they're just always going to be hard to get a hold of. And it's especially with the current production issues, right? Exactly. the 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 cryptocurrency stuff was having an effect on stock before the pandemic so it would still be having an effect on stock even if the pandemic just disappeared overnight tomorrow yeah but i do think at least production would increase and that impact would be lesser and it would be easier still to get your hands on these consoles um Something I wanted to talk about that 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 transitions in here well that I kind of want to get your opinion on it. I know I mess- messaged you this earlier today. Uh, I'm, was, I've been waiting so, for this. <laughs> okay, two two separate articles, guys, that I've read uh, in the past two weeks that I have connected the dots between and found very interesting. So mm-hmm. the first article was about a week ago or so. I believe it was IGN reporting on it. And so this first article was that Microsoft had made the decision. Uh, to completely halt production on manufacturing any Xbox Ones of any kind. Now, they had already halted a bunch of them. I think they were only making like standard One S's. They weren't making the One S digital anymore. They weren't making the One X anymore. So they were just making like Xbox One S's and that was it now. Uh, So they've stopped even that. They've stopped all of the Xboxes. And they had said that they were going to keep the Xbox One brand going for another year or two originally and that they intended to use it as sort of a cheaper gateway uh, into gaming for certain households. But they have stopped that approach now, apparently, because they have pivoted and they've said, no, with the current ongoing chip shortage, Uh, You know, we really want to concentrate on this new hardware. We just want to concentrate on getting more Series S's, more Series X's into people's hands. 
and we're going to be forward thinking here. We're going to let the the last edition die out. So that was an interesting article. And I was just like, hmm, okay, kind of going back on your word a bit there, because it really wasn't too long ago that I read an article about them continuing the Xbox One for at least a whole nother calendar year. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Um, Shortly afterwards, uh, maybe three or four days later, uh, I read a different article, which pretty sure was also probably on IGN, uh, where Sony is towing the exact opposite line right now, which is that Sony has claimed that due to the chip shortage, um, it's cheaper and easier to continue manufacturing PS4s compared to the PS5 because of the difference in the architecture and whatnot, and that they just have more of those old chipsets on hand. Um, and so they are going to manufacture, I can't remember the exact, it was like a you know extra 100,000 or whatever over the next while. They're going to keep manufacturing a bunch of PS4s right in over the next year. Uh, and they're saying like that that is one of their ways of closing that gap with the availability of the PS5, I guess in hopes that more households that maybe don't already have a PS4 and are, I guess, you know, because they're still, they are releasing a lot of these exclusives. Like I'm playing Miles Morales on a PS4, right? Mm -hmm. So they're still going to be releasing a lot of these exclusives on both generations of consoles and so maybe you know they're hoping that some of those people that really want to play that new game might go grab a ps4 to play it if they can't get their hands on a ps5 uh what are your thoughts on this jimmy what what do you think about both companies strategies here i think okay you brought up some really good points here so um i try to bring up both articles up on the screen there i okay. saw that there yeah. so let's start off uh with xbox's point of view so when you're Xbox, I think we can all collectively agree that the Xbox One console generation did not do as well. So Absolutely. it was they were huge with the 360. The Xbox One kind of didn't meet up. It kind of built some momentum at the very end, but it wasn't nearly as, as successful as the 360 or as much as the series consoles are showing that they're, they are early on. Um, so why continue to produce that model? It's just like, just, just drop it, let it go. And then you can focus all of your resources. Plus Xbox has the buying power of Microsoft. They're a part of Microsoft. So they can negotiate things <coughs> with the, like the only chip manufacturer in the world, which is TSMC. So they can afford to negotiate fabricators, uh, to allot them a certain amount of CPUs, so they could do that. Mm -hmm. Now let's shift over to Sony side of things. Sony is not Microsoft. They are a much smaller company. Even though that they're very successful in their gaming division, they're a much smaller company. Um, I think what they've done is they've just they've they have a bunch of parts already for PS4s, and they were like, we've already negotiated the fabrication for the CPUs for the PS4s however many years ago, it probably cost us almost nothing to produce more processors. Why don't we just get all of the current inventory out, make uh, the rest of these consoles, get them out there, because just like you said, we released Miles Morales on PS4, we're releasing Forbidden West on PS4, God of War Ragnarok and uh, Gran Turismo 7 are coming up on uh, on ps4s let's get those out there because another point that i want to bring back from earlier more people are at home working from home and more people more than ever 
are gaming. They're gaming or they're playing on their PCs or doing shit. So even though the console market was very successful pre-pandemic, pre-pandy, um, I think even more so now there's way more demand for all for everything media uh, inclusive. So like anything where you can media on it and then it's more, it's desirable. So, and I think they're looking for something in that one to $200 price point. Cause if you look at a PS4 right now on amazon.com, this shit is $650 for a PS4. Like that's ridiculous. So <clears throat> that's stupid. I think right now what they're looking for is that entry level. And they've always done this in the past. Like they've kept the PS3 going and then oh, they made that super yeah. slim PS3 or like the super slim PS2. And it's that great way, that entry level console that they could still continue to sell that costs almost nothing to make. And I think it's the move that they have to make because they don't have the negotiating mm-hmm. power of Microsoft to secure as many processors as they can. And that's why it's still very hard for them to keep up with PS5 production. And- 100%. No, I think that's a great analogy. And like another thing that you you touched on momentarily there as well is like the PS4 just did so much better in the last generation, right? So if you are thinking of buying a new console, like although, yes, the console race gap is closing and Microsoft has positioned themselves a lot better this generation, like I think there will be kind of three categories of people here. Uh, so you might have the first group who goes, man, it's been hard to get a PS5. I might go get a Series X or a Series S to fill that void. Mm -hmm. You'll have another group of people who are going to go, man, it's been hard to get a PS5. I'm going to go try this PC gaming thing out because the kids are really into that these days. Maybe I'll get some sick RGB lights in my bedroom and feel like a hardcore gamer boy. Or work just allotted me some money to to pay for a new computer and it's like boom and i might as well do that boom right or like yeah exactly work and me are going to split the cost of this new computer or something or whatever it is well yeah i might as well just get a gaming rig then and then i don't have to buy the console i have two birds one stoned it right yeah. so you're going to have those people for sure and that or you know or i'm in university I, one of my gaming pcs came from the fact i was in university and my mom was like well you need a laptop for school yeah. which one do you want for your birthday and so i was like this one mom i need this sick gaming laptop but she was like, no, you don't, but okay, Junior, yeah. right? So there's going to be some people like that. I, I get it. I had a silver spoon in my mouth. Okay, I was, I was um, laughing because I just thought of like the couple that's like, oh, and my girlfriend also does an OnlyFans, and she's clearly going to remain faithful to me, so we're going to share the cost of this PC. It's like, no, she's not, bitch. <laughs> Look at her DMs. Anyway, continue with your point. <laughs> look, look at her DMs. James is the one sending those DMs, by the way. Yeah. That's why he knows. Um, so yeah. I was going to say that uh, your third category of people might be another group that goes, man, it's been hard to get a PS5, but a lot of these games are coming out on PS4 as well. And I never bought into the PS4, and it was such a successful console. There's this massive backlog of games to play on it that are going to be cheaper to buy now fuck it, I'll buy a PS4, that'll tide me over for a while. So it was funny, because like at first glance, I'm not going to lie, as the guy who's, you know, we've acknowledged I play on everything, but mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I cheer for Microsoft as much as you can cheer for a big evil corporation that doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. I, I do kind of like rooting for them right now as the underdog in the current console race. I just think it's an interesting, I don't know, perspective. Um, and I And I have genuinely loved what they've done with Game Pass this generation and concentrating just on that model. I just believe in that model so much. But it's funny because I went from my initial reaction being like, 
Man, that makes Sony look like a bunch of losers because Microsoft is saying, like, we're just going to concentrate on our new console. I'm like, why didn't Sony just do that? But you made such good points there about, like, Microsoft has the daddy Warbucks money. Mm -hmm. And if they want to negotiate these new processors and chips, it is probably much easier for them to get them. And, like, you know, they need them for other things. They They also make laptops, bitch. I was going to say, they're making the computers. So, and... Some of those, it's funny, those first two scenarios I gave, Microsoft wins both times. If you jump from Sony to a gaming PC, Microsoft wins just as much as if you jump over to an Xbox, is the funny yeah. thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, but maybe you'll put, maybe you'll play Sony exclusives on your PC now. Um, but yeah, I think the PS4s, like, later, I kind of just went back to it, and I was like, no, like you said, they're a smaller company. They, they probably already had a shit ton of these parts sitting around yeah. and, and they can afford to do this pretty much. And they said in the article, they're like, it's a lot cheaper for us to do this than make PS5s right now. And so, yeah, that's what you do. Um, and especially because it was, like you said, it's, it is a historical thing where the PS3 stayed around. They were still selling that little PS2 Slim during the PS3 era yeah. for a long time. I had one because I still liked the PS2. It had lots of great games. Um and so it's funny, it would have been <clears throat> tr- more traditional of Microsoft to do the same thing and continue selling the Xbox One S. Like you said, the way they positioned it as like the entry level one to two hundred dollars. This is for the low income family or for the you're just buying it for a six year old or like, you know, like it just it had a niche. So it's interesting to me now, like it really shows it probably as well, not only about how, how much better their new consoles are doing than they expected, but specifically, I think how well the series S is doing compared to what people expected. Slammed up point. Absolutely. Right. They're just like, well, that's the entry level one. I literally have one. And it was because I initially wanted to have a series X so I can compare the two, but then I got tired of waiting around for one to show up and series S's were all everywhere they're always everywhere and to be truthy honest like what am i missing out really that big like having the series s i don't think i am like yeah like some games you're able to play 4k 60 or maybe you're able to play 1080 120 or 1440 120 on the series x but They've been able to get like some pretty good performance out of the Series S, and I've just been like super impressed with it. Also, I think it's priced so competitively that an Xbox One S kind of doesn't make sense because it's so close to the price. It's kind of cannibalizing on potential Series S and sales. That's the argument I made. Like, so I had a friend, um, Amanda, who sometimes comes and hangs out in the chat. Yeah. I told her to buy the Series S because and she was like, well, do I buy the One S or the Series S? And I was like, you buy the Series S because it's what, like 50 to $100 more, if that, and you're future proofing. Right. And so what you're doing is your future. I think it's three hundred dollars versus two hundred dollars. I could be wrong. I can't even um, remember what they were selling the Xbox One S you were, for. You were future proofing yourself was my argument. Right. So at the time they were still saying the One S production was going to keep up for another year. And I still gave the advice there that I was like, I would buy the Series S for sure. It's such a small price difference that it's just worth knowing you have the new console that's not going anywhere for years and that all your stuff is going to run good on. You're not going to have new games you can't run um and as someone that bought the series x on release day i have told now three different friends when they have come to me 
and being like, hey, Jay, I'm thinking of getting a console. What console should I buy? All three of them I told to buy the Series S, even though I have the Series X, right? Because they're, frankly, they're not as giant nerds and into gaming to the level I am. Um, But even if they were, I'm just like the cost to payoff ratio with the Series S is insane. Literally, the only real drawback of that machine, in my opinion, is storage space. If it's your primary console, then eventually you will probably end up wanting to, you know, buy one of either the extremely overpriced Seagate memory cards or yeah. you will want to at least have a USB drive hooked into it to run all your like Xbox One games on, or at least just like put a game over there. That's you won't be able to run it on that drive. It's just like yeah. I like well, but again, like I'm coming from somebody who used to play like three games a year, if that, and that was still a lot yeah. for me at the time. So it would more than suffice for that. But now that like I'm reviewing games or doing impressions of games. And I'm trying to play more games. Yeah, it's hard on the Series S because like I find like like when you put if you put Forza on there and Halo Infinite, like that's almost all of your storage. So like you can only put like a couple more games. So, something you touched on that I think a lot of people forget too, though, because everyone rips on the Series S for storage. But there are so many people that are you a few years ago that only ever play like two or three games. Exactly. At a time. Right. So that's actually uh, people don't like to think this, but that's probably the majority of all. That's probably like 80 percent of players is like there are a lot of people that are like, yeah, man, I just play COD or like, yeah, I just play eight hours of Fortnite a day and buy all the cosmetics with my mom's credit card. There are just so many of those gamers that if you're one of those kids and you're like, yeah, I just want to play Fortnite and Roblox. Well, then what the hell are you doing buying a PS5 or a Series X and you could just buy the Series S install the two games that you're actually going to play and run them at, you know, 1080p 120 or whatever. Exactly. You're golden. Yeah. Like Halo looked awesome on my Series S and I was like I bet. and I was playing it on my 4K display and the upscaling was was great. Like I wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell you difference. Like I'm sure if you put them both side by side and I was like this far away from them, I'd be like, oh yeah, I could see it. But like if someone is like 10 feet away and they see someone playing Halo on two different mm-hmm. machines, they're gonna be like, oh, that's Halo two times. Like they're not gonna yeah. be like, whoa, look at I've been playing better. it on PC uh on a 1650 and it's so like i'm on like a mixture of low and medium mm-hmm. settings i guarantee you same thing if we put like, like my gaming laptop your series s and my series x side by side and yeah. we had all three of them run halo you'd be like yeah that sure is the same game they do so much stuff these days guys to optimize stuff for different platforms yeah. and make sure that it doesn't look like a garbled piece of crap when you put it on low settings like they don't want to put it out on your PC if it's going to look terrible. Yeah, That's not what low not settings are for like these days. Low right? settings with like a bunch of octagons. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> exactly. But like, exactly. I've a lot of people buy into like the digital foundry hype and, the, and then they let those dudes like tell them like how shit should look. And it's like, bro, you're not going to like if the game is good, you're not going to give a shit about the extra foliage on the fucking on the grass. Like you're not going to care about like the extra shadows or like the puddle that reflects perfectly with ray tracing. You're not going to care. Like I'm not looking and, at and like if you do, then like sick, like go spend nine thousand dollars on a really good gaming PC and <laughs> eat your hot pockets hey, you in your can't basement. Get the 3090 and... Ti because that got delayed. 
made today. So you can sit at home and fap to your ray tracing yeah. while you just run like that freaking shadow of the Tomb Raider graphics test over and over again. <laughs> just again, 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 again. <laughs> these are the best five minutes of my life. Yeah, look at all the power. I don't know. Like, I get it. Graphics are cool, man. We're happy for just, you. Yeah. We know that you're out there, and we know we're like, we're super stoked that you secured a 3090 Ti and you have to live in the box that it came in, but we're stoked for you. But yeah, man, like Be I a just, roomy box. It's a big card. Yeah, I think like at first I was like I even before these consoles came out, I was like, wow, I'm like the Series S sounds like a fucking killer deal. It didn't meet up to some of the expectations that they set for it, but it's still like super competitive, super awesome. It is the best bang for buck that you can get in gaming right now. I hands down will admit that. The PS5, you have to get that to get the experience of PlayStation and to get some of the exclusives. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I like that's a thing. Like if you are into those games, yeah. you're you're gonna pay that entry level fee. But if I were to give advice to any new content creator or someone who wants to get into like being a YouTuber and doing let's plays and stuff, I would one hundred percent tell them get an Xbox Series S and then get your Game Pass subscription for a dollar after you go on cdkeys.com and buy a year worth of Xbox Gold for 70% off. And then, boom, there you go. You got like a year's worth of content like done and you don't have to spend an extra dime. Like you could you could spend all your money on your fucking um, like RGB lights in the background and shit. Like, so like i'm a big nerd i own a bunch of rgb lights i like pc gaming and i watch a lot of youtube channels that are all about like gaming pcs and Mm. building gaming pcs and all that nerdy sort of crap and i always remember one of the first videos about this console generation that had a big impact on me there's actually two that i can think of one was a channel called jay's two cents yeah where he builds gaming pcs another one is the toasty bros uh who also build gaming pcs and around the same time i should send you some toasty bros videos they're fucking hilarious um but around the same time they both uploaded some videos where they were like our you know pre-release impressions of the series x and series s and what these hardware specs say about these systems and of the ps5 as well frankly it was just about the new generation of consoles um but i i specifically remember them talking about the series x and series s and both of them saying almost word for word the same thing uh the toasty bros were like when it comes to the Series S, you cannot, you cannot build a gaming PC this good for that ma- amount of money. No. You just can't. Uh, and when it comes to the, Series, the Series X, X? the same, they, that's what they said. They, they yeah. were, the exact same thing can be said about the Series X. You're just now talking about a more powerful gaming rig. But both of them, like, this is a better gaming PC than you could buy for 700 Canadian dollars, and the Series S is a better gaming PC than you could buy for 300 Canadian dollars. Absolutely. Like, hands down, point blank. And then the video that really drove it home for me, that was the Toasty Bros. Like, a, a couple of days later, I watched Jay's Two Cents video on it. He said essentially the exact same thing, but he really hit it home because he was like, guys, this is the first time we've been able to say that in forever. Yeah, Like, it has been such a long-standing thing that gaming PCs were a better bang for your buck if you were just concerned about 
power, like horsepower under mm-hmm. the hood. The best graphics for your dollar was always going to be on PC, especially if you were willing to build your own rig and save money by not buying a pre-built or have someone else make it yourself and use the wrong parts. But if you were willing to do a little bit of research and go buy a graphics card and a motherboard and everything and slap it together, the the advice of all of those channels was always going to be, hey, don't spend $300 on a console. I can teach you how to build something better than that for $300. And they can't tell you that anymore. Like this console generation is such a massive pivot for the entire industry. Like, remember, um, so like, it, there used to be tons of videos gaming PC for $500. Like, that used to be, like, a popular video that you could make <clears throat> on YouTube. And now that's just, like, It's hard feasible. to make that video right now because of the graphics card market and everything, right? Like, I do watch a few channels that will still do it, mm-hmm. but they're always making PCs now where, like, they'll often... I watched... Uh, Ozzy the other day made one. Uh, Oz is a, a great uh, PC builder. Uh, it's kind of, it's like the zen of PC building his channel. He's like always so freaking calm. And I just really appreciate that about his videos. <laughs> but he made a PC and he used a, a VPU. So uh, a GPU, CPU all in one, right? Or an oh, APU, yeah, yeah. another term for it, right? And like that's becoming honestly the pitch a lot of these days now is to get like a Ryzen processor with the Vega integrated graphics and yeah. then just build a platform where you're planning for ladder upgradability and make sure that you get a motherboard where once graphic cards become more available, you could slap one in there, right? Or he'll suggest certain cards you can find on eBay that are like two to three to four years old and be like based on the current market this one's the best bang for your buck but you're still really overpaying so if you can afford to wait or maybe just buy a series s like even he'll admit that at this dude point, like right? you used to be able to get an rx5 or yeah the rx is the amd brand and rx but like 587 or whatever yeah 580 <clears throat> uh for like 200 dollars and then now yeah. they're selling those for like six, seven hundred dollars. It is bananas. And then when you buy those parts off of eBay, they're probably from a fucking mining rig and they've been run to shit. And it's just a gnarly fucking market right now. And it's just like now it's more it's more cost effective to buy a pre-build or to buy a gaming laptop. And I always pitch the laptop to anyone that asks me now is like, hey, I want to get into PC gaming. Like I'm thinking of building a rig. I'm like, go buy a laptop. Yeah. That's the current market. Like if you, I don't even, I, I don't even know a scenario where I would recommend you build a gaming PC. It's weird. It's like most pre-builds are trash, but most gaming laptops aren't. There's just a certain standard of decency that usually goes into the parts that are put together in these laptops. But when you look at the pre-builds, like especially if you just go on Amazon and you're buying a gaming PC from like CyberPower or one of those companies that just, you know, they don't make any of the parts. They just put it together. You will always find, if you know anything about PC building, some sort of major problem with the components they've used. They'll have like a good graphics card in there. They'll, they'll give you your 2060 Ti and then they'll put a power supply in there from like five years ago that can barely power it. So it just crashes all the time or like the cable management is just atrocious or they I use really old cables. Those, but I'm talking it's more like an Asus 
uh fucking gaming pc tower or like an acer yeah. gaming pc tower like one of those because the same thing they're with their better, laptops but they're like yeah. they have a warranty whereas if you make it yourself you don't have a warranty like you have the that's right. and especially if you're new at it and you're scared like i i would always make the argument that like building a pc is one of those things that if you've never watched a 10 minute video on it or whatever you're like that's rocket science but like it's really easy guys like it's pc like building is, it honestly that's the great comparison it's yeah. like there are like three major steps for most pc builds that you're ever going to do which is like you're going to get your motherboard and you're going to slap a cpu on it and then you're going to slap a graphics card on it and you're probably good it's going to have integrated sound and everything right other than that you're mainly just like connecting things and managing cables and zap strapping shit to make it look clean right you do that you just like fucking pack all that shit in there and then put it in your 30 dollar no-name brand case and then yeah like races exactly and a lot of the cases now are smart like they plan for cable management so they'll have little pockets and walls for you to just kind of cram cables into and shit so like you can build a pc in like 30 45 minutes easy even if you know nothing about doing it if you just watch like three videos and take your time right so yeah don't panic guys it's really not rocket appliances i think um like i I'm still like flirting with the idea of getting into like getting a gaming PC, but like it's not to play any PC games. It's more to play games that I already play, but like get access to all the mods that people make for them. And there's a bunch of things that are exclusive to PC other than, you know, because it's interesting. I was saying like it's you can't make the argument you should be on PC for uh horsepower for your dollar ratio anymore but you still see an increased interest in pc gaming so then you have to kind of ask like what is the pc doing like what does it bring to the table and mods is definitely one of them Mm -hmm. right for sure skater xl on pc is an entirely different experience than skater xl on a console because there's an infinite amount of maps to skate on pc right so yeah, it's just a totally different game. It just opens up a whole different world. Um, and yeah, I think also, you know, like for me, I play certain games on PC just because I love keyboard and mouse controls. And so, yeah, yeah. I still there agree that like shooters need to be played keyboard and mouse. Like I shooters, just... and I would say any turn based strategy sort of game, StarCraft. I don't want to play that on a controller. That's stupid. Oh man, like I played, I remember, like speaking of, uh, blizzard games like i played diablo 3 when that came out uh with some friends and then i got it for ps4 and playing that game on a controller i was like this doesn't feel right i'm like this feels stupid and they had to alter how the game plays so it would work on a controller better and it was just it was weird it was not the same so i the first one i had that experience was uh, Halo Wars for the 360, mm-hmm. which was like a StarCraft clone that was a Halo game. Yeah. I really liked that game. Even playing it on a controller, I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good little StarCraft clone. Like, they've done a good job here. But yeah, it just, it doesn't feel natural. Like, they put Civilization out on Xbox and stuff, and I'm just like, no, nah, I wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. I th- They had Civilization on the Switch, and it was on sale for like $6, and I was so tempted to buy the, the Switch version just because I was like, $6 is a good freaking deal, yeah. and I still couldn't do it. I was like, no, I'd rather pay like seven times that on PC just so I could play it the right way. I find it weird that I always found it weird that uh, Microsoft released Flight Simulator on the series consoles, and I was just like, 
I don't like why like that game. No, that works for me. Like I think I think console controls work fine for a flying game. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, but I was just like, I didn't get it. Like I didn't get the appeal. Like I like I've always known Flight Simulator to be a PC game that people take really seriously and they buy all the peripherals for it. So I just like didn't understand its move to console or why people would. You know what I think it was is that, uh, well, for one, like game pass and it's just something they own the rights to, and they're always just trying to fill game pass up with things. Um, but I honestly think it's because it was, was, and is, and was rated as such by the gaming press as basically the most graphically impressive game of the year. And so I think that that becomes a good showcase for what the Series X and Series S can do. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, that they're like hoping the that like... you own, we put a lot of work into this, it looks the best. Show it off on our consoles. Okay. Show it off. And I've, I've never played a flight simulator in my life, and mm-hmm. I thought about playing this year's flight simulator just because of the sort of reviews it was getting where people... And that was what they were saying. They were like, even if you don't give a shit about flying games and you've never played a flying game and you're not one of those nerds with all of the like flying equipment on their desk in their basement, you should go play this game for 30 minutes just to look at it. Like it's so eye wateringly beautiful. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I kind of, that sounds kind of cool, even though I don't care about flying games because I'm not a graphics guy. I'm not one of those guys with a 30, 30, 90 TI, but I like graphics as much as the next man. And it's always kind of cool to see those things. Like when you saw Avatar in theaters yeah. where you're like, oh, this is a new plateau. Like we we can do this now. This is cool. And that game is just supposed to be one of those moments where they're just really pushing the envelope of what we can do technologically. Yeah. My argument for that, this is me personally, again. So, like, when people are, like, the big PC Master Race boys, like, I just find, like, the leap to PC graphic fidelity is never as, like, big a gap between generations of consoles. So, Mm. like, when you play... When you play Call of Duty on PC versus Call of Duty on console, it's not, like this is a completely different game. It's just like, yeah, there's a lot of like, there's advantages and there's some things that, that are much better. But like, when you look at the game, the game graphically, you're not like, wow, this is, it's completely different. Um, But when you go from like Xbox one to the series consoles and you see like the new games coming out, you're like exactly that experience. You're like, wow. Okay. This is a new generation. So I think the the I think the question there is just a matter of like what PC hardware are we talking about because that's the problem with PCs is that it's just such a it's such a wide gamut of I'm new hardware like old like a hardware like or like yeah 30. yeah no that I agree the gap between let's say what the Series X looks like and a 3090 Ti for sure is smaller to me than the gap between the Xbox One and the Series X absolutely. Um, but yeah, I do think sometimes, you know, it's different, obviously, if you're comparing like, I don't know, somebody on an RX 580 to a series X or something like, you know, that might be a bigger leap. You're just going to have different, different experiences going to different PC hardware. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with, I think the, the main part of the point you're making though. Sure. Yeah. Like, and then I always just laugh because like my favorite games, the souls games, like, people are always like, oh, I can't wait to play it on PC, and it's going to look so much better. I'm like, no, it's going to look exactly the same. It like, will look marginally better. If you Like, look, even right? if you bring up on YouTube, like, 
like how they look it's just like that looks the same like frame rates i would say unlocked frame that rates, used to right? be, it's gonna look smoother is what it's gonna those look, games right? are capped at 60 frames per second though so like now that that's possible in these new consoles it's like there's no 120 so there's no real yeah. jump there but um yeah we'll see no we'll see. i think it's i think it's a good time to be in gaming uh i think absolutely man. again one thing I do want to touch on a little bit is like the we talked about this last week, but like a lot of people are talking about the rumored like PlayStation uh, answer to Game Pass. Yes, and yep. I think that is just we talked about this before, and I think this still holds true. I just think I don't think it's going to be a Game Pass competitor. I don't even think it's going to be anything like Game Pass. I think it's just a rebranding of PS Plus and PS Now. Because those two things as separate entities makes no sense. And like PS Now, like the like the flack of shit that it deservedly caught when it first released, because it was like a stream only 720p service uh, with like whatever bland games that were on there at the time. It's gotten so much better now, but people still think of it as what it was however many years I ago. I agree entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is just a rebranding and then making those two things one thing. And then I do think tiers. that they, you know, I don't, I don't ever expect it to one to one copy Game Pass. Yeah. And I think, like you said, like Sony's, Sony's approach is different in the same way that Disney Plus and Netflix have different approaches, and that's yeah. a good thing for consumers, in my opinion. Like, if all these companies were doing the same thing, that'd be kind of boring, and plus we'd have nothing to talk about. Um, but I think that. Yeah, like play. I, I agree a hundred percent. The PlayStation now, everyone still thinks of it as a crock of shit, even though it's not really anymore. But you know, we all had that experience where we took a look at it really early in the PS4 life cycle, and it was literally just a ton of PS3 games and like poor streaming quality. And yeah, we were like, uh, maybe and not. That PlayStation right? TV product. <clears throat> yeah. So now I think that. Uh, for sure. One of it, part of it is trying to save face for that product they already have and rebrand it with a new name so that it can be successful. And like I said early on, I was like, just call it PlayStation Plus still because PlayStation Plus is the one that people like and has done well. And so I would just like, I would just be like, PlayStation Plus now includes PlayStation Now, and then about six months to a year later, I would just drop that wording because by that point, it would just already be understood that PlayStation Plus includes this giant catalog of games. Yeah. I would just be like, PlayStation Plus, and then in small writing, now includes PlayStation Now, right? At first, it would be big writing, then it would be small, and then it wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Now it's just PlayStation Plus, and it includes both of them. But I do think that you will see to some degree more first party exclusives on it. Not day one, not Game Pass style like day one, but you will see an attempt to to some degree directly compete with Game Pass more. It won't be a one to one comparison, but yes, Game Pass is the re- part of the reason for sure that they're making this change. Like they know that that's something they're up against. And I'm sure like, man they are probably just sick and fucking tired of hearing it from everybody. So I'm sure that they will feel so great when they're just like, look here, there's our answer to game pass. It's different, but it works like this. We did it. Shut up. Like that'll be such a nice moment for them because yeah, they've really been getting like, I was giving it to them early on being like, what is Sony doing? When are they going to do something about this? But frankly, like 
I wasn't the worst of it. There was a lot of people giving them the gears and yeah. like people that actually matter and have much larger followings than I. Right. So there was a lot of people on YouTube and like big gaming sites, like even IGN and stuff were being like, man, Sony's starting to look like a bit of a bunch of goofs if they don't do something because Microsoft just keeps being like, and this game and this game and we're doing this and it's making them look really good. And so, yeah, we've seen that with an increased success for Microsoft this generation. Um, I still think, you know, Sony's still in the lead. It's funny, like you said, they're a smaller company. People don't really think of them that way because yeah. we think of them as like big bags, big bad Sony. But they're only big bad Sony in gaming and like Microsoft owns your mother. Yeah. So that's just different. Yeah, no, it's 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 gnarly. And it's just like I definitely think the whole the pandemic and the chip shortage really put a roadblock in Sony's roadmap for what their strategy was going to be this generation. I think I they were fully prepared to just completely drop the PS4 <clears throat> and then just go all balls in on the PS5. But then with like how hard it was to keep up with demand and manufacture it, they were just like, okay, we have to adjust. What do you yeah. do when you can't rely on hardware sales or you can't make more hardware to sell to people? You move to services. So yeah. Xbox is making... They're starting to make a profit. It's coming around and because they just went all in and invested in it heavy and now it's starting to pay off. And then now I think more and more and more gaming platforms are seeing how valuable services are because if you can get a person to buy one game every six months, that's pretty good. But if you can convince people to pay a set amount of money every single month and the majority of your uh, player base is paying that, that's where you make the money. And mm -hmm. I think it was an inevitable thing that had to happen. I don't think they would have cared if all plans went accordingly and there was no chip shortage. I don't think they'd be putting much effort. I think they would just let PS Now be this weird the, service. The PS4 would exist too. Like I, I was going to say, they wouldn't have done a 100% pivot because like you said, they historically, we had the PS2 slim during the PS3 generation. Yeah. You had a PS3 slim during the beginning of the PS4 generation. You would have seen PS4 still in the market for another year or so. But yes, they would have really concentrated on flooding the market with as much new hardware as they possibly could. And with that massive install base that the PS4 4 had just really trying to convince people like hey just upgrade to the new one just like you do with iphone right yeah. like come on and so that would have definitely been their their major pitch there but i mean i made this argument early on when it's funny like so many people yourself included at times but a lot of people are you know like game pass isn't sustainable it's not profitable it's going to be bad for the developers and i just kept being like man these are all the same sorts of arguments that would have been levied against netflix when they were like a new crazy zany idea, I guarantee you movie studios and stuff were very tentative. I mean, Blockbuster had the opportunity to freaking buy them when they were just like a little nothing company. We're like, no, you're never going to go anywhere. Like nobody's going to get Netflix, put Blockbuster out of business. And I always viewed Sp Phil Spencer and Microsoft and their team on this Microsoft gaming now and their team on this as very forward thinking. 
and being like, plus what we, you touched on earlier, they have the daddy Warbucks money mm -hmm. so they could afford to take that risk. Yeah. And for sure it was a risk and they were probably bleeding money from it for a while. But Phil Spencer was forward thinking enough to like go to the corporate suits that control all of that funding and be like, guys, it's going to be like Netflix in another few yeah, years. Do you want to be it's blockbuster, be like That's where we're heading if we don't do this. 100%. I guarantee you that was his pitch with it. He was like, yeah. get with the times. Look at how everything else works now. Nobody has a PVR. They have an Amazon Fire Stick. This is where the world is headed, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. I do still stand by my statement that I feel like... Like Game Pass is good. It's not good for developers as it is good for Microsoft. I think it's like it's it's more favoring them because it's their service, right? I again, I would like to see, and I still haven't really seen this yet. I would still like to see some fucking banger new IPs come out of Microsoft's camp and just really show that they're more than that three prong attack. Like I just I can't wait for Starfield. I want to yeah. genuinely give that game a good like a good try, and I want to see more of that. Like I want to like I want to see something out of this Blizzard Activision acquisition. I want to see a game that's only available on Microsoft that I'm like, dude, that looks dope. I'm buying that day one. That's what I want too, man. Like, I, and I and I think we'll get it right. Like they did it with with it's Starfield. It's you don't spend like I said at the beginning of this this podcast today. You don't spend sixty eight point seven billion dollars to not get a few brand new exclusives. Like yeah. you'd have to be the dumbest company ever. But I also think that you'd have to be the dumbest company ever to take all of those exclusives and, like we said, just totally alienate all of the users of the other platforms. Yeah. And then what you're really doing is you're really being like, this is a war. And Microsoft's whole strategy this generation has been like, we don't really view it as a war anymore. Yeah. We view our relationships with Sony and Nintendo as good relationships. And like Spencer went on record being like, I own a Switch and I'm going to buy a PS5. I just like gaming. Yeah. And so they want to keep framing themselves, even though we know that these are just big corporations that want to make money. Yeah. But Microsoft's whole whole you know angle this generation has been that they're good guy microsoft they're so consumer friendly they're all about cooperation with these other brands they don't view it as a giant war and it's funny because that is what is actually helping them get back in the war yeah but. i agree because if they if they went the other way i bet you like sony's a small company but they would still be like i don't care like they would do a ford versus ferrari they'd be like i don't care how much fucking money it takes make the best fucking shooter anyone has ever played make it 20 dollars. make it for free get people on that shooter and then that they, they'll they would do something they would retaliate that way but i think this was a smart move by them for them to just see like what angle can we take and it's like i think it's better pr if we come out the good guys the people that came in and saved this company and like we're here for gaming bruh and it's like, yeah, it's another thing that they can position once again, right? Mm -hmm. Of continuing that narrative of being like, hey, we saw this company and we knew that gamers just love these games. Yeah. And we're just all about keeping the games in the hand 
hands of the gamers. We didn't even suffer from all the corporate bullshit. So we came in and we just chopped some heads and put some good people in place. And we did it to save the games for you, man. Yeah. And it's like, of course you did it to make money because yeah. that's why you invest $69 billion. But isn't that a nice rosy thing to be able to turn around and say to the press and everything? And it continues this ongoing narrative of like, I remember when I first uh, was saying I was going to get the Series X, it was all these little things of them being like, your Xbox One controllers will still work. So you don't have to go buy a second controller on the first day to play with your friends. Little things like that, where I was like, man, they're really concentrating on being like the consumer friendly one. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and like Sony, you know, makes great first party IPs and hopes you pay for through the nose for them actually very similarly to what nintendo does yeah. right like those two companies have a very similar strategy sony's is more hardware based and nintendo's leans even harder into the fact that you just love mario right yeah. but both of them expect you to pay a bunch of money to play on their platform because they know you love god of war they know that you was, love mario that was one of the right? first things i said i was like yeah, in reality, am I paying seven hundred dollars to play the Demon Souls remake? It's like I am, but I'm ha I'm yeah. fine with that, and I'm more than happy to do so. But I'm happy that I've found Returnal, and I'm happy that I'm able to I'm going to be able to play Elden Ring and some other games, and I love the controller. But yeah, yeah. did I pay seven hundred dollars to play one eighty dollar game that I paid full price for? Yeah, I did. And, and like, I know most people aren't in the market maybe to do that, right? Like we've no, talked about that God before, no. me and James are lucky to be able to do that. But I made the same comment to my buddy like a few days ago because I found the PS5 at EB Games and a lot of my friends on Facebook were like, well, did you get one? And I was like, no, like I've only had my Series X and my new laptop for a year each. Those are mm -hmm. two's both very new to me still. Um, I'm playing through exclusives on PS4 still. And my main argument was simply there isn't a game that I really care about yet on the PS5 that exactly. is exclusive to that platform. And I was like, I'm sure one day, whether it's a year or two or three years from now, they will put out whether they'll be like, hey, Jay, you can only play the second half of the Final Fantasy VII remake on a PS5 for at least a year. And I'll be like, God damn it. And then I'll, I'll be like the exact same thing as you. I'll be like, did I just spend... You know, five hundred to seven hundred dollars, depending on where the price is at in the market at that point, just yeah. to play the next Final Fantasy Seven. Yes, I did, yeah. but I'm sure at some point they will get me like that too. It's just a matter of like that killer app just hasn't existed for me yet on that platform. Uh, whereas, like, I cared a lot about Halo Infinite, and so I'm, I'm a big Halo guy. Mm -hmm. But there was <clears throat> no new uh, big EP on Sony yet that has got me like that, right? But I often do that. Like, the first time I played Halo, I went out and bought the original Xbox. The first time I played Gears of War at a friend's house, I was like, I guess I'm buying the Xbox 360 next paycheck because I like this game a lot. So yeah. if you make one game and it's freaking awesome absolutely i'll buy your entire console to play one game but they just and i'm not even saying they haven't had that game because they did for you they just yeah. haven't for me yet right exactly and everyone's tastes are different and it's like it's that exact same thing and then also we're both content creators so that's like are most people gonna have both consoles i think more than ever a lot of people are gonna have both consoles or even all the consoles now but i think just because of like the line of like work that we do that's why we have all these. And I hate when people like call us privileged, but it's it's like, bro, if you have any sort of gaming console, 
you're you're in the boat with us. You're also privileged. You're part of that. We're privileged to some degree. I think the one of the other things there, like you said, like you see more people even that aren't content creators that game on multiple platforms or maybe even own all the consoles. Like I have a buddy who has no YouTube channel or anything that probably owns way more consoles than I do. Mm -hmm. He's got all the retro ones. He's got the game room with all the shelves to put each console in, like all lit up really cool. Like his his collection is sick, man. Like he should be running a YouTube channel. Um but I think one of the main factors there is just that when we were kids, the only people playing games were kids and your mom wasn't going to buy you two consoles. Yeah. Right. Like that was it. It was your parents bought you a Super Nintendo or they bought you a Genesis. And then you went to your friend's house to play the other console. And your parents were like, oh, you're lucky I bought you one Nintendo. No, I'm not yeah. buying you a second console. Right. Um and now we're all adults and we have jobby jobs and we make money and we have to pay our shitty mortgages and scrub out our shitty fucking toilets and do all this bullshit. And there's nothing else to go spend money on. Everything is shut down. You can't go to the bars, you know, here where, where we live. There's a lot of things you can't go spend money on. So what are people going to do? They're going to be like, well, fuck it. I'll own a PlayStation and an Xbox because yeah. there's nothing else to do. And you have disposable travel. income. People yeah. like a lot of like I remember because I just recently posted on my Instagram that I was looking for a backwards compatible PS3. And the reason yeah. why is so I can play PS1 to PS3 games on one console that has built in HDMI. And because <clears throat> yep. I know PS3 emulations is, is getting good, but it's not still quite not there. Um, they're talking about PS3 games coming to the store now again, though. They're talking about backwards compatibility and shit for PS5 now, up, right? And I'm looking forward to that. That'd be cool. Yeah. But, like, I put out this blast, like, asking somebody if, like, if they had one and they're just looking to get rid of it to hit me up. And then a few people were like, oh, just make your way down to this shop in Seattle. They have tons. And, and I was just like, I can't just cross the border. And I'm like, I wish I could. I There's to- a couple on the island here that might help you out. Like, I know a couple uh, used gaming stores and stuff I can point you in the direction of. Yeah, sure. like, I might look, but I was just like, I was like, I'll just hit up. <clears throat> Maybe I'll luck out. Maybe there's someone in my community. That you know wants- what? I'll I'll give a couple of shout outs then, yeah. uh, you know, because th- we should, you know, we're on the island. Why not? Yeah. You know, maybe one day somebody will listen who's also on the island like us. Pyramid Games, downtown Nanaimo, uh, down Harbor Frontway. Fantastic, fantastic uh, used gaming store. Tons of old consoles, collectibles, action figures, comic books, all sorts of dumb stuff. You want to get some Sega Dreamcast games, Genesis games, NES games in the box with the manual. That's the place you had in Nanaimo. There's another one about halfway down the island, I think, in Duncan called Epic Games and More. Uh, they're always putting out like refurbished Nintendos with new uh, new cords and like all sorts of stuff like that. So same thing. Great. That would be a great place to go browse for a PS3 as well. Uh, and then in Campbell River, uh, unboxing toys and more owned by my buddy Corey. My buddy Corey's got his own toy and retro video game emporium down there in Campbell River. They have like, you know, like magic card tournaments and stuff every week. They have like a TV set up with an old Nintendo and Genesis and they do like old school, like NHL 94 tournaments and stupid stuff like that. Really fun shop. Tons of wrestling action figures, old consoles, all sorts of fun stuff. So unboxing toys and more in Campbell River. Three different places, guys, right there on Vancouver Island that Jimmy could probably go find a backwards compatible PS3. Yeah, like 
I don't know. I was probably just going to end up buying one off eBay, but I'd rather like hit up a friend than buy off some rando on eBay. Yeah, let's support that local gaming economy, right? And like keep the uh, I like stores like that existing is my thing, right? So the more that you buy retro games and stuff on eBay, the more the only place you'll ever find retro games will be on eBay in the future. Yeah. And I love the experience of being able to walk into a store that is not like a GameStop or an EB Games or a Best Buy and is like an independent video game game store it just it's such a breath of fresh air and you can always tell the dudes behind the counter like genuinely fucking love working there and doing what they do because right? they, they're usually the owner and then also exactly yeah, and they know like the history of like you know why that controller is actually very uh interesting and you're like no i don't <laughs> yeah it's always like three huge nerd friends from high school that were like dudes let's open a gaming store together and they're the only three guys that work there and they're always so excited for you about your purchase i'm like oh my god i can't believe you guys had streets of rage 2 for this cheap and they're like yeah it's a great game man like oh you're gonna have such a good night there champ Uh, i love stores like that you go into eb games they're like hey do you have an edge card swipe you know so well yeah i don't care it's some 17 year old kid that like doesn't give a shit right exactly but like yeah yeah, that kind of reminds me when i used to go to vinyl shops uh in the in the city and just like the dude just being like, okay, what's your budget? Okay, what are you looking for? It's like, all right, dude, I got this one in the back here. I just refurbished it. Dude, check this out. What kind of music do you like? Bro, I got a bunch of these records. They're seven bucks a piece. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. He's like, they're like, That's like they're so cheap. And then he's mint like, comparison. Yeah. Mint comparison. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just like, I would ray rather support someone who's like local and like owns their own shop they're not a franchise and it's just good for the economy everybody like yo like don't you don't need to support to their credit i gotta say like sunrise records which is like a bigger like chain of record stores the one here in nanaimo i gotta say their staff is really good because they act more like a little local independent record store in the sense that like if i bring a record up the counter they're like oh yeah like have you listened to this band and they chat with me about records and stuff and i always think that when i go in there i'm like I know you guys are corporate, but you kind of give off that independent record store downtown vibe that I like with your customer service style. So shout outs to Sunrise for doing that. Uh, but yeah, man, there's nothing like going to those little mom and pop shops where the people are just so passionate that they got to like, you know, live their dream of owning a video game store, live their dream of owning a vinyl record shop. And you get that same sort of banter with them. at the ca- Oh, you're buying this game. Like, did you ever play this game for Genesis? I think you'd really like that or whatever. Right. So I think yeah. that's fun. I'm like, I'm like wavering. I'm like, do I want to spend the money on a backwards compatible PS3? And then I looked at how much like game, like old games have gone up. And it's just like, bro, I'm going to be spending so much money. I'm like, maybe I should just like. Dude, there are multiple YouTube content creators in the last month who have made their entire original following making videos specifically about collecting retro games and consoles who have all kind of pivoted to just general gaming and news channels in the last month or two. Yeah. And I watched a great video by RGT85, uh, who was originally titled Retro Gamer Tube 85. Yeah. Talking about how he's he's like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of the it's gotten too expensive, guys. Like the prices have gone up and up and up. And for the past few years, everybody kept being like the bubble's gonna burst, but it just never did. It yeah. just it's it just seems to have no ceiling and he's just like yeah like i mean 
I love retro video games way more than the next person. I started a YouTube channel about it, but a copy of Die Hard Arcade for the Sega Saturn is 200 US dollars right now. Yeah. Nobody likes Die Hard Arcade more than Jay. Jay worships Die Hard Arcade. I would build a shrine in my house to Die Hard Arcade. I used to be glued to that cabinet at the arcade in our town here with my best friend when we were like eight years old, just pumping tokens into Die Hard Arcade. I'm not going to give you 200 US dollars for a copy of Die Hard Arcade when I can just go play it on an emulator for free. So, like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you like know, I'm looking not... at some of these games are like a hundred dollars US minimum that I wanted to play, like old from software games. And it's just like, dude, like by the time I buy the backwards compatible PS3, which is already rare and hard to come by, and then people are gonna want three hundred bucks for that. And then I buy like a new controller, and then I buy like the first game. I'm like, I'm already in gaming <clears throat> laptop territory there. You're so privileged, James. You're so privileged. <laughs> this is where I got to say 2022 is the year, guys. This is the year where all of your neckbeards are going to stop ripping on people for emulating games because it's not morally sound anymore to do so because the retro gaming market has gotten so goddamn expensive that like the only people that are going to play retro games on original hardware are those same people that are out there being like, I bid on an auction on eBay for $500 to buy this pressing of Pink Floyd because this pressing is the best pressing of Pink Floyd, Yeah, right? And that's a very niche group of people, um, no matter how much you like Pink Floyd. And it's going to become the, the same with retro games. We're like, yeah, there will still be someone who will pay 200 US dollars for Die Hard Arcade because if no one would pay it, it wouldn't be priced that way. That's how the market works. Uh, supply and demand but honestly i think you're gonna see more and more and more people be like emulation's good enough yeah right because for the the average person who just wants to relive a little bit of his childhood right as i always argue that's why i own seven of these mini retro consoles i would rather just have a little box with 20 snes games on it that's super easy and plug and play and i just go because i don't want to sit there and play Super Nintendo for 10 hours straight. Like, I'm not that guy. For one, I have a job. I don't have the time. And for two, there's all these modern games that I want to play. Yeah. I really just want to be able to plug it in for a couple hours on a Sunday morning and be like, haha, my childhood, and then put it away for another month, right? Yeah. And, and that's what retro gaming is for a lot of people. It's a blast from the past. It's a fun, nostalgic experience. But for most of us, even people like me that really love retro gaming, I own a Sega Genesis t-shirt. I still don't want to go spend that kind of money on it because it is a side dish to my modern gaming, which exactly. will kind of always be the main gaming I do. Like, know, I, And so. I'm buying games I didn't play as a kid. Like, I'm, I'm buying games that were like older games from a developer that are like, I might not even enjoy these games. So if I had to pay 150 US dollars for a game that I pop in, I'm like, oh, I hate this. Like that would suck. That was always another argument I've made about emulation is that, well, back in the day, you could just go rent games for Super Nintendo and stuff. And then that's how you knew which game to, you know, beg your mom to spend $80 on because you figured out that Street Fighter was so good that you just kept renting it. Um but yeah, like with these old consoles, there's nowhere to go try these games without emulation. Or if your friend already collects retro hardware and games and has it at his house, maybe. 
But yeah, how are you supposed to decide which games are worth you spending $200 on? If you are crazy enough that you are going to spend those prices, you better at least be emulating at the start to try yeah. games out, right? Because that's how you figure out your investment. So I just think it's, you know, there's always just being this culture of people being like, you're not playing the real game. And I just think like 2022 is the year where like, you just you just need to shut the fuck up. Like, it's just or like, just let people just like, I don't play care. video games. Yeah, that's just like, yeah. nobody cares there's like what like a a 0.7 second millisecond delay on the yeah. input like the n64 on the switch where people will be like oh this little bit of the audio and this one uh level of sonic 2 you can tell that the third note in uh this midi file has been pitched slightly up it didn't sound like that on the actual genesis it's like shut up yeah. shut up no one cares 99.9% of human beings are never going to notice that because they're never going to run the game on a Genesis and a laptop at the exact same time to figure it out. Yeah, right? I would just be so like, like go start a YouTube channel about it. I don't care. Talk to somebody who cares. Hundred percent. Yeah. Talk to somebody who cares. Somebody who cares. Yeah. Make a Twitch stream where you bitch for five hours a night about yeah. how evil emulation is. Like you'll have two con- concurrent viewers good for you that's great right but it's just let people enjoy these games and let them enjoy them in the way that frankly is relevant to our current day and age yeah and that you know that's why you're seeing so many more tutorials for things like how to use the developer mode on the series s to use it as an emulation box that's shut down now that's why i yeah microsoft uh if you have a developer account and then this is what i figured out uh, and you're not uploading anything, like you're not making any content, then they just shut off your account and you can't access the dev mode in your So when, when it first happened and people first started doing this, I was like, I wonder how long it'll take for this to get shut down. Yeah. And the only reason I thought that is because people like people jailbroke the original xbox and i remember going to my buddy's house and he had an original xbox that had like nes genesis snes like whole game libraries everything back in the day right because we were already emulating on pcs and stuff and the xbox was basically just a pc with controllers called the xbox Um, direct x like that's it's just a pc 100 percent. so people hacked it super easy um but back in the day like for one it took a little bit more technical know-how than just downloading something from the app store that they've made available to do yeah uh and so normally you had to find a guy who would kind of like jailbreak and hack your xbox for you and then give it back to you for some money or whatever um and people weren't you know, making a ton of YouTube videos about it because that didn't exist. And so, like, we weren't out there blabbing to the entire world going like, hey, guys, we're cheating the system. And that was what everybody did as soon as they figured out you could do it on the Series X and Series S. Of course, because you want to share the good news. And so everybody goes and hollers from the mountaintops. Hey, guys, we could do this illegal thing. And I was like, I wonder how long that'll last. It was so So. funny because that was like that was initially the only reason why I bought the Series S was again a partial reason was because i wanted to have both consoles so i could test out both sides but the main reason was i wanted a console to play retro con like retro games on the cheap and i was like do i get the snes mini or do i get like one of these raspberry Pis or like one of these other retro boxes that plays a bunch of the different consoles but those were like 250 us dollars and i was like dude like 
I might as well just get a Series S. Like I just watched. Honestly, this if video. you if you still want something, the thing to do, which I already have tutorials on how to do on YouTube, is to buy the PlayStation Classic because it didn't sell that well. They slashed it down in price. You can normally find them now for at least the original sticker price or less, which was like 90 Canadian dollars. I think I got mine for 50, but it's literally the easiest one to hack and it will run everything up into the Dreamcast, basically. So like any console that was released before the Dreamcast, pretty much you can run. N64 was less than perfect. Some games worked good, some didn't. But like PS1 games, Murders It, SNES, NES, Genesis, anything, you know, Turbo Graphics, anything like that, Murders It, runs perfectly smooth. Um, so that's always what I suggest to friends because I've had over the years collecting these things and there's now another two that I'm probably going to have to order from Japan this year. We can talk about that next week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, over the years of collecting these things, one of the most common questions I get is like, hey, Jay, if you were only going to buy one of those seven mini consoles you bought, which one would you go buy? And my answer is twofold, which is if you're not going to hack it, then go buy the Sega Genesis Mini. I think the Sega Genesis Mini has the best lineup for your dollar. The Super Nintendo is just about as good, but it's impossible to find it for what you're supposed to pay for it now. It's always like $250 getting scalped online. So if you want to invest in the Super Nintendo, it's great. But in my opinion, as far as like availability and bang for your general buck, the Genesis murdered it. It's absolutely just chef's kiss there are so many good games on that on that one right out of the gate but if you're gonna hack it you buy the playstation classic for one it's the easiest one to hack and two it comes with the controller that's best suited to using it for everything because you have your l2 and r2 buttons which the other ones don't have yeah so you get two usb controllers that have all the buttons and that work on pc as well because they're just usb controllers it's the easiest one to hack, and it runs, you know, every at least everything up into the PS1, it runs flawlessly. And then, like, the 64 and the Dreamcast are kind of hit or miss. What I liked still. about emulating on the Series X or in the Series S consoles is I could play GameCube games, I could play PS2, yeah. I could play yeah. PS1, and then I can also, not only just PS1, <clears throat> but you could put um, Duck Station on there, and you can play ps1 games like rendered in 4k and like you can, oh yeah like you the can only just... way you're getting that experience again is a gaming pc my friends yeah. right like so, that's the only way to do it now yeah yeah and then so that was a bummer and i was like oh and i was like i was gonna play some i was playing final fantasy 7 and it was like so Fox rad Kino. playing it in 4k and like with the yeah. cpu at 400 percent, so everything moved at 60 frames per second and it was just like way better but um no, like I think like I like after like talking to a few people and like some people hit me up and they're like, yo, I'll sell you mine for three hundred dollars. I was like, well, I was hoping someone would just give it to me. <laughs> I was just, like, just give it to me. Yeah, just like get what are you doing with it, bitch? Like, give it to me. I want to play Demon Souls on it. I want to play some other sh- like fucking games I played on million. Yeah, honestly, man, like I think like a, a backwards compatible PS3 for you might might be very sensible. because uh, you do you do enjoy those games uh, specifically and whatnot, right? But yeah, I, I think definitely if you do end up getting in the market for a gaming PC, I'm talk to you, boy, because yeah. I love that shit. I love nerding out over PC builds, and I would love to, uh, you know, go laptop shopping with you or whatever, and and help you make that. We'll do a live stream thing. of laptop be shopping, fun. dude. We should. That'd be a fucking blast. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, 
next week, guys, I'm going to bring you up to speed on two new releases currently exclusive to Amazon Japan, uh, which you know may or may not be getting North American releases as well. First time in a while that I've had new mini consoles to talk about. I'm excited. It really felt like the mini console explosion had had its day mm-hmm. and that maybe maybe it was just going to fade into the abyss. You know, people had kept talking about, oh, we want a Dreamcast mini. We still haven't heard shit. People keep saying, oh, we want an N64 mini. I mean, I think N64 games on the Switch is probably as close as you're ever going to get, yeah, guys. I, think it's uh, I really think that's it. It's a hard console to emulate. Just be happy that you have them on the Switch and that they release those controllers. I think yeah. that was ba- those controllers were their answer to you wanting an N64 Mini, frankly. Um, But there are two new mini arcade cabinets coming out of Japan that both look pretty exciting. One of them more so than the other. And uh, yeah, and one of them is a Sega product. And you know your boy and Sega products. So I'm excited. Can we look forward to a video on your YouTube channel about this? I believe you can. I believe that's precisely the video that I will be releasing next. Uh, <laughs> it seems like the video I should, considering how excited I am about this topic. So Where can probably we find be a pretty easy, probably an easy video to make. You can find my YouTube channel, which you're seeing a lovely image of right now on your screen uh, at YouTube.com slash JRetro. Just just drop on over YouTube.com slash JRetro. New video coming soon on those couple of mini consoles. And you can, uh, yeah, you can find out before I let James know all about them next week. Jimmy, where can the good people find you these days? (laughs) On YouTube, on the YouTubes. You can find me at youtube.com for says Fornitron. I just released episode two of my new series, The Road to Elden Ring, and I did Dark Souls. So this is a series for people who have always been intrigued, sed- like maybe a little bit seduced by the Souls games, but maybe a, little bit inti- maybe a little bit intimidated by how difficult everyone says that they are. So this is a series just for you to kind of introduce you to the mechanics of the games and just like some of the gameplay and a little bit of the lore just to get you started, get you enjoying the game. And I'm going to do all of the Miyazaki era from software games up until the release of Elden Ring. Um, I got some other content coming out this week. I'm going to go watch those videos and then I'm going to come back next week and let you guys know all about my new PS5. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, honestly, I should go watch them though. Cause yeah. I might, I might play those games on PS4 at least, which would probably be a cool experience. Yeah. And like, who knows? Maybe they'll eventually come to game pass, but um, yeah. And then Could be, I would love that if you, if you play those. Um, and then also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Fornitron. Um, I'm really trying to get a boost on my social media. I know I slacked for a super long time and then I also made those accounts and then like I also like got rid of everybody off my thing and blah, 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 but I'm different now. I've learned and I really (laughs) want to grow those because if I'm going to work with some cool brands, uh, they always look at your social media and when they see your boy has 200 Instagram followers, they're going to think loser or they're gonna think yeah they're gonna think that's a burner account like that when you're when you're working with cool brands and we you know we got cool sponsors like the lovely five fine microphones yeah make our voices sound so sultry yeah then yeah you want to have a little bit of that media clout speaking of media clout guys 
I finally made some more TikToks for the first time in forever. Speaking of slacking off on your social media, I was kind of popping off on TikTok for a little while there. And then I just like went into a diabetic coma for two months, didn't post. Uh, But yeah, I I recently uploaded a couple new TikToks and you can find me on TikTok, on Twitter and on Instagram at Payfree86. Drop on over and uh, yeah, stay in touch. Let me know what you're thinking about all of this craziness with xbox buying everybody who is xbox gonna buy next that's what i want to know guys i just hit me up on social media and tell me who you think microsoft (laughs) buys out next i think of that movie there will be blood where like daniel plainview is like why don't i own this what is this how come i don't own this like that's 100 that's that's disney and microsoft essentially right like those two guys they're like star wars also Marvel. I'm waiting for the day that we wake up and it's just like Disney has bought Microsoft and yeah. <laughs> it'll happen. They'll just conglomerate. Yeah. Well, that was a fun episode, everybody. We're going to head out of here, but just do us one last favor. We'll do us two favors. One, add us on the social medias, like Jay just said. Give us a shout out there. Say, uh, Give us a comment, update required podcast, and we know where you came from. And then two, the most important one, have yourselves a great day. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Have a good one, everybody. Peace. All right. Cheers, everybody.